Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Grutnibalik, and I will be your host. Today, we're going to finish the projection series where I go through my projections for the 2022-23 season team by team and pretty much just bring up anything I think is of special importance for fantasy. These projections are available online. You can go to pretty much any Apples and Genos social media. I have it pinned to my Twitter currently, or you can go to the Apples and Genos website, which will be linked in the show description. Click the projections tab. You'll get these projections for free. Now, let's dig in. The first team we're going to talk about is Seattle. Now, obviously, there's not exactly a fantasy gold mine over in Seattle currently, but I do think there are some players that are pretty interesting. The first one I want to talk about is Oliver Bjorkstrand, who comes over in a trade this offseason. And I have him down for 30 goals, 63 points. Now, that's only with 17 minutes, 15 seconds average time on ice, which I don't think is a huge projection. So I really do think that Bjorkstrand has some potential to even eclipse this projection if everything kind of goes as way. I have him down for 2 minutes and 45 seconds of power play time, so I don't have him with an extreme power play share either here. Um, so I do think there's a chance that Bjorkstrand even outperforms this. Now, Bjorkstrand has been one of the more puzzling players, I guess you could say, the last few years. He'll go through stretches where his rate stats look incredible, and he looks like he should be scoring 40 goals uh, on a 40-goal pace for the season, and then he'll go through other stretches where he just completely falls off the face of the earth, and you wonder if he's playing injured or what's going on. So uh, I do think there will probably be some ups and downs uh, with Bjorkstrand in Seattle. Could be at the beginning of the season as he gets acclimated, as he works his way into the lineup. Um, They did add a lot of players to this lineup, so there could be some growing pains for the team as a whole and the forward group especially. So take that all with a grain of salt, but I do think Bjorkstrand, if he gets onto a roll with this team, could actually see some upside from this 30-goal, 63-point pace projection. The second player I want to talk about is Yanni Gord, who I have down for 27 goals and 56 points. Yanni Gord is one of those guys, he's going to play a ton of minutes. Um, I have him right now set to average 19 minutes, 45 seconds. He's not going to play the top power play, but he doesn't really need to to get to these um, these numbers. And if he ever did, then that would even be bonus beyond this. So I think Gord is kind of a safe um, streamer kind of level player and definitely one that you're going to be looking at throughout the season this year and streaming him in, especially in like bangers cats leagues where his hits come into play. Um, If you have Pims, he does a little bit of that as well. So I think Yanni Gord will be a quite relevant fantasy player in a lot of leagues this year. Last player I want to talk about is Andre Burakovsky, who comes over from the Colorado Avalanche. I have him down for 26 goals, 51 points. Burakovsky is someone that I do worry about uh, going to Seattle. Obviously, he had a lot of talent to play with in Colorado. He did get a benefit um, of playing with some of those top players from time to time in Colorado. And I really do wonder if he can maintain the kind of efficiency that he had because he's not a volume shooter. Um, he's never played a ton of minutes, and I don't know that he's going to play a ton of minutes in Seattle where they've tended to spread out their um, ice time both 5-on-5 five five and on the power play. So I don't really think that the uh, high-end ceiling is here for Burakovsky. I wonder if he can maintain that efficiency. I still have him being fairly efficient. Um, but maybe not kind of the elite levels that he showed us in Colorado. So Burakovsky is someone that I'm probably going to be off at cost for my drafts this year. 
The next team to talk about is the St. Louis Blues. We got to start here with Vladimir Tarasenko, who I have for 34 goals, 80 points. And that's just on 17 minutes average time on ice. This is kind of in line with what he did last year, and I don't really have a good reason to bump him down from this. But you can see that if for whatever reason he did get more ice time, uh, the Blues did kind of get appreciably worse this offseason. They lost some players and didn't really add anything of note behind them. So there is a scenario, I guess you could say, in which Tarasenko does end up playing more minutes. Perhaps last year, um, you know, because of his injury history, they were trying to keep him um, just at a lower time on ice on average. And that was why. And this year they feel he's he can be let loose a little more and he ends up uh, totally eclipsing this projection. That's a very real possibility. But regardless of all that, I do expect that Tarasenko will uh, pretty much replay last year. I don't have a reason to think he won't be able to do that. It's kind of what he's done throughout his career. Um, and for the first time in a long time, he's actually got very, very talented line mates to do it with, which I think he demonstrated last year. He has terrific chemistry. Uh, Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich, who he's been skating with in camp so far. I think that's a great line for him. Obviously, Thomas, a very good setup man, not so much a, a goal scorer, but Tarasenko can obviously fill the net. So a good marriage there between those two. And I think that Tarasenko is a bona fide yeah, 80-point player with upside for even more if things happen to break his way. Speaking of Robert Thomas, I have him down for 22 goals, 79 points. Again, I have him just for 137 shots. This is not a guy who's going to shoot. It's not a guy who's going to hit. Um, so definitely not as valuable in your bangers cats leagues or anything like that I do have him up at 19 minutes average time on ice So I don't see a lot of potential for him to really eclipse this level and get to you know like a 20 minutes average time on ice that'd be pretty extreme especially the way that the blues have liked to deploy their forwards uh, the last few years so I think this is probably towards the top end of Thomas's outcomes, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he can put up close to a point per game again this upcoming year, especially if he continues to skate with Tarasenko and Bushnevich. And lastly, someone I'm a little more excited about is Jordan Cairo, who I have for 30 goals and 79 points. I think Cairo could actually get beyond this. I have him down for just 17 minutes average time on ice. If St. Louis ever ran, you know, a true top power play unit instead of kind of splitting things between two units the way they have for much of the past two or three years at this point, uh, I do think that Cairo could eclipse this level. Uh, obviously, with just 17 minutes average time on ice, there's room for that to grow if uh, the deployment dis was changed by the coach. So there is potential for even more with this. I feel pretty confident that Cairo can hit this even at that 17 minutes average time on ice. Obviously, Cairo, I have him projected for just nine hits on the whole season, so uh, not as valuable in Bangers Cats for sure, but that point total is very juicy, and the thought that he even has more in the tank if he were to get more time on ice, you know, there's a million ways that could happen. Uh, injury higher up the lineup that forces them to play uh, their top-end players a little bit more. There's a lot of ways in which you see this kind of contingent upside, you can call it, for these players who are playing, who I have projected for low minutes, uh, relatively low minutes for a top line style player uh, who could be on, get beyond their projection if everything happened to go their way. So Kairu definitely falls in that category for me. 
the third team to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning Nikita Kucherov we have to start there 42 goals 121 points I have him projected for just astronomical stuff I don't really know why he's considered to be in somewhat of a different tier than the Dreisaitl Matthews McKinnon tier that many people seem to have I guess it's the injury history but I think Kucherov has um, played a fair bit this past year and seemed to be just fine and posted points at an elite rate when he was playing so I don't personally have any issues with grabbing Kucherov at number four number five overall this year depends a lot on what you think of the positional scarcity he does play right wing which a lot of people consider to be a much scarcer position um so if you consider that, then you might want to grab them in that range. Uh, right now I have them in most setups, um, most points setups. I would have them as my fifth overall player, and I'd be happy to have them there. Um, I don't really know what you can say about Kucherov. That hasn't been said already. Just an absolutely elite player and seems to be getting discounted slightly a little bit this year, probably due to that injury history from the past couple of years, but something that I'm not going to really let dissuade me from taking what I consider to be a top five talent for fantasy. The next guy to talk about, Braden Points, who I think actually got a little bit unlucky last year. 52% IPP, the lowest of his career, just under a 16% shooting percentage, which sounds kind of high, but was actually the lowest of the last four years for Point. So I do think that Point can be uh, a little bit higher than what he's shown us and get back to that point-per-game pace. I don't think he's going to really surprise you uh, in any regard, but I do think he can get back to that point-per-game pace. Tampa's going to need him to play a lot um, and play at that level, so I think point, pretty safe pick for your drafts. Last player to talk about from Tampa, Ross Colton, who I have for 27 goals and 47 points on just 14 minutes and 15 seconds average time on ice. Now, this one is probably going to surprise some people, but I really like what Colton brings to the table. He's a high-efficiency shooter, up around 15%. He's always had, uh, I should say always, he's been in the league two years, but in both years he's posted an IPP up around 80%, which is just truly elite levels. Um, so I do think that Colton is one of these guys who can be very efficient. He shoots a lot. He's a volume shooter, um, but he's also a high percentage converter. And so you see him scoring 27 goals with just that 14 minutes, 15 seconds average time on ice. So I do think that there's a lot of upside with Colton. Uh, it seems like he's opening camp down on the third line, uh, which isn't really to be <laughs> unexpected, I guess. But we did see him get some time with Steven Stamkos uh, throughout the back half of last year, and he really crushed it while he was up there. So um, be it through injury or just outplaying the people ahead of him, I do think that Colton at some point through this year has a real shot to elevate himself in the Tampa lineup and actually kind of take off and be uh, maybe like a second-half fantasy star. He's definitely someone that I'm keeping an eye on. Might not be rostering him from the start of the season, depending on your league, how deep it is, and the rest of that but uh, definitely someone to put on the watch list and watch rather closely and see if his deployment changes. The next team to talk about will be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Got to start here with Austin Matthews, who I have for 65 goals, 116 points. Um, I don't know what you can say about Matthews. That hasn't already been said, but has to be the odds-on favorite to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. He does a little bit of everything. He hits almost a hit per game. I have him projected for. He blocks actually a lot more than most forwards. He would be among the league leaders in blocks from the forward positions. So 
I mean, Matthews is everything you can think of when it comes to fantasy. There's a legitimate conversation in my mind, uh, depending on your settings, whether you should be drafting Matthews over McDavid. Uh, I personally probably won't be in most places this year. McDavid still has that 150-point potential upside uh, if he just goes absolutely nuclear for a whole season that basically no one else in the league has. And so you kind of want to keep betting on that with McDavid. Uh, But Matthews is... uh, just as good in a lot of respects for fantasy because of those goals, right? He scores just so many more goals uh, than even the next highest players that he's going to score a ton of fantasy points. If you're in a bangers-cats league, you know, he does some hitting, he does some blocking, he is going to be one of the league leaders in shooting right up there with Nathan McKinnon. They'll probably be neck and neck all year. And then, yeah, it's really the goals that sets him apart. Uh, You just can't replace that kind of goal production Uh, from any other player or any other position. So Matthews, uh, definitely one of the top two players uh, in my fantasy drafts this year, unless it's a very strange setup, um, and definitely still in the conversation for number one overall too. Next player, William Nylander, who I have down for 33 goals, 82 points. I think Nylander is kind of going to be at this level now, Probably not going to get that Matthews exposure on the top line. It's going to be Marner and Matthews on the top line with bunting. Uh, That line worked extremely well throughout, um, I guess, probably the last two-thirds of the season last year and into the playoffs. I don't see any reason why that would get split up, so I do expect that it will be Nylander and Tavares, and then uh, anybody's guess really best favorite, I guess, at this point would be Alexander Kerfoot. Uh, so Nylander, I think, is pretty safe bet to be around a point per game. He's still got that terrific shot. He's still going to be on the top power play, get tons of time that way. Uh, but he's never going to really get to like a 90-plus point level unless he gets that Matthews exposure in my mind. So uh, Nylander, uh, kind of exactly what you expect, I guess, at the end of all this. 82 points in 82 games, going to be a point-per-game player, going to score a lot of goals, going to get a lot of power play points, going to do all that good stuff for you, but perhaps not the same kind of upside that you might look for in a point-per-game player. The last player to talk about from the Leafs will be Michael Bunting, who I have down for 26 goals and 58 points. Now that's with just 15 minutes and 45 seconds average time on ice. So obviously we know we expect him to get a full season alongside Matthews and Marner at even strength, but not to be on that top power play, which seems to be pretty set in stone with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and then Riley on the point. Now, Bunting has been the kind of next player up whenever there's been an injury. Uh, Marner and Matthews both missed some time last year, and Bunting has kind of been that next guy up who gets promoted to the top power play. Uh, Whether he would be, uh, you know, a focal point of that power play if and when he got onto it through injury or some other means is up for debate, but definitely you can see that if he were to get that power play, there would be some... um, some potential for even, you know, 65 points or uh, a 70-point pace, uh, at least while he's on that top power play. So bunting I have down for 58 points, but definitely interesting and definitely has some potential upside beyond that if uh, there were to be any injuries uh, to the Toronto top four, the core four, I guess you would say there. Before we get into the next four teams, I want to let you know that I'm going to be doing a little giveaway here. If you've made it this far halfway into the fourth projections episode that I'm doing on this podcast, then I think you're probably a pretty loyal listener. 
and I want to give something back. So I have some Apples and Genos apparel to give away. If you want to be entered in that giveaway, all you need to do is to rate and or review the podcast on whatever platform you listen on. Uh, take a quick screenshot of that. Send it to me. You can send it you know, via Twitter. You can DM me if you're in the Apples and Genos Discord server. Or you can email me if you uh, don't have access to Twitter or Discord. You can email me at applesandgenos at gmail.com. I'm only going to run this for one week, so uh, get those ratings in as soon as possible. Send me the screenshots, and one of you will be getting your choice of some sweet Apples and Genos merch. Let's get into the fifth team of this episode. That'll be the Vancouver Canucks. We'll start with JT Miller, who I have for 30 goals, 88 points, uh, 21 minutes average time on ice. Miller is kind of a volume guy more than an efficiency guy. Uh, As you can see, 21 minutes average time on ice, that'd be among the league leaders. So definitely someone who needs that kind of time on ice to produce at this level, Um, but definitely very valuable, especially in bangers cats where he's going to hit a lot, almost two hits per game is what I have him down for currently. Very valuable player for sure. Now, Miller is projected to be a a part of that top power play all season long. I don't see why Vancouver would change it, um, but just so you know what's baked into these projections, um, basically I feel like Miller is at the the top end, I guess you would say, of his projection range. Uh, I think it's his most likely scenario, which is why I have him projected there. It's why I've released the number 88 points, but I don't think he has much beyond that unless you went on a true uh, efficiency bender, I guess. Uh, But definitely a little more downside than upside from this 88-point projection in my mind. Next player, Elias Pettersson, who I have for 33 goals, 78 points. Uh, I'm really not too sure what to do with Pettersson. I think most of us now know the story of Pettersson's season. Uh, Beginning of last year, he was truly awful. He was a drop candidate in some leagues. And then in the last half of the season or so, he absolutely went on fire and played the best hockey of his career, well over a point-per-game pace. I have him close to a point-per-game pace here in 18 minutes, 45 seconds average time on ice. I'm not sure if I can really boost him beyond that. There is a chance. Um, I would say that this projection is probably, you know, in the middle range of his outcomes. Uh, There's a chance he takes another step and, you know, puts himself into the 90-plus point conversation. Uh, There's a chance that, you know, for whatever reason, he once again goes cold for a bit and ends up down towards a 70-point pace. Uh, I do think in this range is where he'll, he's most likely to end up. I think there was some hype around Pedersen just because he is an efficient player. Um, you see the shot and the skill on display in a lot of cases, but he doesn't seem to have the you know the shot volume to sustain a bunch more goals. I don't think he's ever going to be really like a 40-plus goal scorer. Instead, he's probably more likely to live in the 30 to 35 range for most of his career. Um, It's not to say Pedersen isn't a great player. It's just that he may not ever become an elite player, which is what a lot of people thought his ceiling might be at some point. So 78 points is where I landed with Pedersen. The third player from Vancouver that we'll talk about, Brock Besser, who I have down for 34 goals, 70 points in 18 and a half minutes average time on ice. Besser actually... Even through all last year, I think it's been pretty well documented, the struggles he was having with his father passing away uh, tragically. And so 
I think it's very understandable that Besser didn't have his best season last year. But even so, he was still posting um, pretty good underlying statistics. Uh, just a lot of pucks weren't going in for him. So I think that Besser really has a chance to take another step this year. I think 70 points uh, with that 34 goals is a pretty solid spot for him to be. Even throughout last year, even throughout all of his struggles, he was still a fixture on that top power play, and so I wouldn't expect that to change this year either, unless someone truly uh, just completely outplayed him from lower in the lineup, which I don't really see happening. So I think Brock Besser here, a pretty solid 70-point uh, projection definitely think that there's a chance that he has some untapped potential beyond this because he has been a volume shooter you could see him take a slight step there and he has been an efficient shooter as well over 15 percent is what i have him projected for this year so if those two things kind of go hand in hand and he has just kind of a little bit uh I guess a little bit more efficient year, a little bit of a lucky year instead of an unlucky year like he had last year, then you could see him even approach 40 goals this year. So Brock Besser, let's cross our fingers. I just drafted him to my Kakuffle team today. So let's cross our fingers that we have big things in store for Brock Besser in 2022-23. The sixth team for this episode is the Vegas Golden Knights. Jack Eichel, we have to start here. 33 goals, 83 points is what I have him down for at 19 minutes average time on ice. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Bruce Cassidy does with these lines uh, coming into Vegas. You know, with Boston, he typically kept all the minutes down from like truly elite levels. Like you see these guys like Matthews and McDavid up, well up over 20 minutes per game. I don't think Cassidy's going to use Eichel like that, but there is an opportunity that he could. Um, he didn't use Bergeron like that, but you can make the argument that Bergeron was constantly injured and obviously an older player uh, throughout most of Cassidy's tenure in Boston. So maybe Eichel gets absolutely run into the ground at 21-22 minutes average time on ice and then he would obviously have some upside from this point projection but regardless I think Eichel at 83 points with 33 goals obviously very valuable fantasy player I have him over 300 shots over a hit per game like Eichel's going to be very valuable in a lot of places and I have seen him getting disrespected a little bit I think there are still some people off on him based on the injury um, I think we would have seen some sort of flare-up last year if there was going to be more um, chronic issues, I guess you could say, from the injury. I think last year was a really good sign that we should believe that Eichel is going to play a full year this year. And yeah, I do think that a point per game is a pretty solid projection with even some upside from that, depending on deployment. The next player, Jonathan Marcheseau, who I have for 30 goals and 71 points. And that's actually only on 17 and a half minutes average time on ice. So again, if he gets more time on ice than this, then definitely some upward projection is possible, even up to potentially a point per game pace. Another volume shooter, I have him for 271 shots on goal. Uh, at this usage level and obviously if you got more you would expect more shots to come along with it so Murchiso someone who feels like a really safe pick um, and definitely still some upside beyond that so definitely into Murchiso at cost for this season the third player Shea Theodore who I have down for 14 goals 53 points 
and I have them at 22 minutes average time on ice with the majority of the power play, but not a true, uh, I guess, lion's share of the power play. I have them down for 2 minutes, 45 seconds average power play time on ice per night. So Theodore's projection actually kind of surprised me. Uh, in the past, I've had Theodore's projections up around 60 or even beyond that in terms of point totals. So Theodore coming down to 53 in this projection, I think it just kind of shows uh, the general uh, decline in talent in Vegas uh, the last few years. I don't think that Theodore really has the same upside that I used to think. And Theodore is also one of these guys who he's not going to hit a lot, even his blocks. He's around a block per game, but that's not really exciting. That's just kind of more standard for a defenseman, you might say. So Theodore is someone that I am just really not nearly as interested in this year as I was in the years past. I think his name brand value will probably keep him uh, being drafted higher than I'm willing to go. Next up, we have the Washington Capitals. Obviously, we're going to talk about Alex Ovechkin, who I have down for 49 goals, 86 points with 20 minutes average time on ice. I think until Ovechkin shows us that he's declining, I'm not going to bet against him. So 49 goals. Obviously, this isn't the 65-goal version of Alex Ovechkin that we had, you know, five, six, seven years ago. But still a very, very talented player who's going to score a ton of goals. He's going to shoot an absolute ton. I have him for 340 shots, 167 hits. The man is still a first-round pick easily in my mind. And I'll definitely be drafting him as such with not much concern for downside from this number. The next player, John Carlson, who I have for 15 goals and 76 points from the blue line. Very valuable player, obviously, has been for quite some time. Uh, been a little bit underrated throughout his career, I feel. Uh, maybe it's just a product of feeding Ovechkin for all these years and people discounting him because he had an all-time great beside him. But Carlson is legitimately one of the best fantasy defensemen in the league, should be considered as a top-five fantasy defenseman in almost every format, in my mind. Um, just a very efficient producer, um, just a volume producer at the same time so when you get that volume and efficiency mix that's when you get these elite level totals as you can see 76 point projection so no concerns about Carlson once again as long as Ovechkin and he are on that same power play together you really can't expect them to do anything different than they've shown us for the past number of years the third player on Washington will be Dylan Strom, who I have for 20 goals and 46 points, skating 15 and a half minutes average time on ice. I don't really think that Strom has uh, terrific upside. I don't think he gets exposure to Ovechkin outside of an Evgeny Kuznetsov injury, so it's hard to really see him working into a really fantasy-relevant role for this season. Um, really, I don't think... Strom is much to write home about. I think he's a pretty much replacement level player in the league. Last year, he got some run between Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane. When you get in between two superstars, um, good things can happen for you for sure. And they did happen for Strom for a good portion of last year. I just don't think that that's Strom's everyday reality unless he is between two superstars. So Dylan Strom, I have at 46 points. I'm not super excited about him in 2022-23. The last team to go through for all 32 teams will be the Winnipeg Jets. First up, I've got Nikolai Ehlers, who I have at 35 goals, 77 points, 
in 17 minutes average time on ice. Ehlers has always been a really efficient and a volume producer. He's just never really gotten the ice time to be truly elite. I don't know that that really happens this year either under Rick Bonus, um, but regardless, I do think Ehlers will be plenty usable. And you always have that thought in the back of your head that you know if he ever gets up into the 19 plus minutes of average time on ice, then he could be something truly special. So Ehlers, I'll still be drafting uh, pretty heavily because I do think that he's pretty safe even at a 17 minute usage level. And if for whatever reason he got beyond that, we would see some big numbers. Next up, Mark Scheifele, who I have at 30 goals and 72 points with 18 and a half minutes average time on ice. This would be a big step backwards for Scheifele, uh, basically from where he's been throughout most of his Winnipeg career. Paul Maurice um, basically ran Scheifele into the ground every single game, had him up over 21 minutes average time on ice for much of his career. And I just don't think that Bonus is going to be a guy who does that. He never did that in Dallas. Um... He certainly used his top players in the 18 to 19 minute range, but never in the 20 plus minute range. So that's kind of why I've got Shifley projected for what would amount to being his worst season of the past number of seasons. And I'm probably going to be off of Shifley at cost. Uh, it's just hard to see a path for him to get back to that you know, point-per-game level player that he has been for so long if he's not going to be getting the ice time he needs to sustain that level of production. And lastly here I have Cole Perfetti down for 21 goals and 53 points. I have him down at 15 minutes average time on ice, so obviously there's some potential upward... Um, mobility from this 53 point pace I think it's actually a really strong point pace for a player at this level of uh, usage so definitely some upside for Perfetti and I'll be watching very closely to see how he's used what kind of role he gets on a power play um, how the power play is used you know if it's a more split power play or if one unit is getting the lion's share of the work yeah, if Perfetti can work his way into a significant power play role and a sustained top six role where he gains some chemistry with his line mates, I do think Perfetti could be a real breakout player this year. Get into, you know, 60, 65, even 70 point pace as an absolute ceiling case. Um, I think that's definitely possible for a player of Perfetti's caliber. So definitely someone that I'll be watching very intently early on in the season, see where that deployment's at, see if he's getting that top power play usage. And if he's going to be in those positions, then I'll definitely jump on him in a lot of leagues. And we've done it. We've made it through all 32 NHL teams for my projection series. That's all I've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value and helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. If you're still interested in drafting, we'll probably do one more best ball draft before the start of the uh, NHL season here. So do get into the Apples and Genos Discord server and ask around to get into that best ball draft. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. If you're interested in getting weekly waiver wire articles, that will be available through Patreon, through a paid subscription there. So check out the Apples and Genos Patreon if that's something that you're going to be interested in receiving. Basically, I'll be going through all of the teams with the best schedules and offering up who I think are the best waiver wire pickups uh, for a variety of different scenarios throughout every single week of the NHL season. So check that out if that's something you're interested in. It'll be in the show description. And that's it, folks. 
Much love. Mm-hmm.